don't know about y'all, but December has just started, and I feel like I'm already pushing the limit of being too busy and having too many parties, and the Lord has just been quickening my heart to get back to the basics of what Christmas is about, and that's kind of embarrassing because not only am I a pastor, but I'm a pastor's kid, so I've heard about Christmas and nativity and and the reason why Jesus came my entire life, but it seems like in the last, I don't know, decade or so, it's kind of been shoved to the side and almost alongside Santa and, you know, Buddy the Elf or Elf on the, the Wall or whatever it's called, Elf on the Shelf, and it, it, it's almost like there hasn't been a preeminence of what actually took place so I've been rereading the, the Christmas story, and as you know, it's in two accounts of the Gospels. It's in the Gospel of, of Matthew, and he goes more into genealogies and, and things like that. And then Dr. Luke gives his account, and we're going to read from that this morning. So we're going to read um, quite a few portions of the Nativity this morning. But I wanted, obviously what we're talking about is joy. So when you think about Christmas... What's a word that comes to your mind? I mean, everybody has different ideas. It might be peace. It might be presence. It might be family. It might be snow. But a lot of times the word joy isn't the word that comes to mind. But we're going to find out what joy has to do with this Christmas season and why, how it should affect us. There was a, a young boy, a little boy, and he was very naughty. And you know what happens when little boys and little girls are naughty around Christmas time? That is the, the lever, that is the big stick that, that moms and dads use around Christmas time to, to, to keep a little sense of order. So this little boy was told by his mother, I want you to go to your room and I want you to write a letter to God. And I want you to tell him why you should get this long list of presents that you were asking for when you've been behaving like you've been behaving. So this young boy goes to his room and he takes out a paper and pencil. This is old school. He goes, dear God, um, if you give me the presents I want, I'll be good for three months. And he stops and he... Dear God, if you give me the presents I want, I'll be good for one month. He stops. And so he goes from his room into the family area, and he looks at the nativity scene. And he's just looking at it, studying it, thinking. And he picks up one of the figures. And he takes it back to his room, and he shuts the door. Dear God, I have your mother. If you want to see her again. So some of us have already started bargaining with God about what we will do if he doesn't and what we won't do if he does. So let's begin. I just love the way that Dr. Luke writes, the, the way he establishes the authenticity of his account. Uh, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. 
They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. But having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. I love that. You can be certain of everything about the truth that you were taught. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now that is her cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And we're going to stop there for just a moment because that little phrase, a virgin named Mary, has been the source, the rise and fall of many kingdoms. It has been the start of religions and the downfall of philosophies. A virgin named Mary. The heavens are starting to explode at this point because the culmination of God's plan is beginning. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her. Now, angels hadn't been seen for over 400 years at this writing because the Old Testament writings ceased. They were finished. The prophets were finished 450 years before this story takes up again. And it's not that God wasn't active. It's not that God wasn't doing things, but he wasn't speaking to the prophets. So there was no recorded scripture during those 450 years. So now, all of a sudden, we have angelic activity again. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. Wow, how she must have needed to hear that. Don't be afraid. Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. I want that to be said about me. I found favor with God. And what is so exciting about what is getting ready to happen is God is putting into place his plan so that I can have favor with God. So that you can have favor with God. Alexi, you are highly favored of God because God decided at this point in time to start his plan that he had thought about long ago. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great. Talk about an understatement, right? Will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, the verse I didn't include is the very next one, just for time. But I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. And it says, of his kingdom, of his reign, it will never end. And I'm wondering what Mary thought when Gabriel said that. Because if you know your history, empires came and went. The Babylonians, the, 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 the mighty Babylonian empire rose. And you know that for 
Decades and decades, people thought, this kingdom will stand forever. No one can conquer the Babylonians. And then along came the Persians, that mighty Persian empire. And they reigned for centuries. Long live the Persians. No one can conquer the Persians until Alexander the Great comes along. And the mighty kingdom of Greece rose. And people thought, this kingdom will go on forever. And it split apart. And now, as Mary is born and Mary is living, the mighty Roman Empire held all of Israel in its sway. Long live the Roman Empire. And so when this angel comes and says, your son will have a reign that will never end, what was she thinking? What must she have thought? With all the things he's saying, this kingdom Yes, you've seen mighty, powerful rulers come and go. But if this one, your son, his kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. They all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. This was a big deal. This was, took a lot of effort. This took a lot of time, but you couldn't get out of it. You had to go and register in your hometown because it was about taxes. Are taxes a big deal to the government? Are taxes a big deal to us when the taxes are going to be raised? This was a big deal because Joseph was a descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the town, the village of Nazareth. While they were there, the time came for Mary's baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. When I was young growing up, I would hear this story um, year after year. And I, for some reason, I got in my mind that there was like an evil or a mean innkeeper. And he would like, no soup for you. There's no room here at the end. You've got to get out. And if it really wasn't like that, the Bible doesn't describe an innkeeper. It doesn't even describe an inn. We, we simply know that all the lodging in that city was preoccupied. So when Jesus came to find a home, a place to reside, Everybody, everything, every place was preoccupied. How things have changed, huh? How things have changed. No one is preoccupied today. We all have made room for him in our life, our checkbook, our mind, in our habits, right? There was no room for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I can't, can't even, seriously, I can't even imagine. I, I have an inkling because I know how good Disney is at, at, at fireworks and displays and and. Things happening in the sky, I don't think it could hold a candle to the celebration, the eruption of joy that happened in heaven because the time had come. Just like that little, there's a, like a little rodent in bolt that's always going, let it begin, let it begin. Do you all remember that? 
Am I the only one with, with, with small children that watch that? But it's like, let it begin. I just see that in my mind. All the angels. Let it begin. It's happening. It's happening. And heaven erupts. All these shepherds are just, you know, it says lowly shepherds. They're just out there doing their thing. And all of a sudden, there is this display of God's glory. I don't know, use your imagination and then put it on steroids. And we might have an idea of what was happening in the heavenly realm for those shepherds to watch. Angels are happy and singing. There's rejoicing. God's glory fills the night sky. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. So we go from 400 years of, of no angelic messages, no words from God to people. And suddenly the angels are going everywhere. They're going to Mary. They're going to Elizabeth. They're going to the shepherds. They're going to, they're everywhere. It's like they're, they're, they finally got something to do again. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So that one of the first things that we see about Jesus is that he is coming to bring us great joy. Joy is kind of a, it, we know it's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's kind of like, well, I can, uh, you know, I can't really live without love, and I can't really live without faithfulness, and I can't really live without patience. I mean, some of them I can live without, some of them I can't, but people don't really think about joy. I don't think, I, I think as long as we're happy, we'll settle for happiness instead of the great joy that he said his son was bringing at his birth. And we know, of course, that happiness is not like joy. It feels kind of the same, but it depends on circumstances. It depends on maybe a person. It depends on maybe an event or an emotion or a trip. But it's something outside you that affects you for that moment and you feel joy. You feel happiness. But it doesn't last. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from union with God. It comes from peace with God. The peace with God that tells you you have been made right with God because of the birth of His Son. That now you know who you are and why you are. And how you are to walk through this world, that brings joy, which is so different. The first emotion that is introduced to us that God has revealed about himself was joy. In the beginning, it says seven times it is good. Oh, that's good. That's good. And that word good in Hebrew is um, T-O-B. And it's translated Pure delight. God has revealed himself as a God of joy. And he has that for me, and he has that for you. It's a fruit to cultivate. It's something we should desire and not settle for just happiness that comes and goes, but something that's deep within us. So why did heaven erupt with joy and glory? 
because God had decided before he ever created the world that he was going to set this plan in motion. And it's kind of, we can understand the facts. It's like Jimmy was praying this morning. Um, you know, we understand some of it and some parts we don't understand. And we can't explain how God would set all this in motion before he ever created the very first man. But we know that he did. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. The fact that God chose that moment in time to reveal his son. The plan had begun. That was a time of great joy. Over 300 and some, I, I don't know the exact count. Some of you scholars can look it up for me. But there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Now remember, the Old Testament was completed 450 years before this baby was born, which was the fulfilling one of the prophecies. But there are over 300 prophecies that this baby being conceived the way he was conceived, born, how he lived his life, the death he died, the resurrection that came next, and the prophecies about when he will return again. That's why heaven erupted in joy. That's why God's glory was streaming over those shepherds, because it had begun. All those centuries of prophecies had begun. Me having favor with God, you having favor with God, had begun. And it was a time of great joy. Great joy. There's a command Joy is kind of like love, um, another fruit like love. It's not, a f it's not, we love the feeling of love, of course, but it, we all know if you've been married longer than two weeks, once you get back from your honeymoon, that it's not always a feeling, that it is at some point a decision. And as we walk in that decision, the feelings return, and sometimes they ebb and they flow, and then they crescendo, and then they crash, and all, yeah. But we know it's a decision. Joy is the same way. And so the Bible commands us to rejoice. And that means start walking in joy. So there have been many, 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 many days that I would go outside and I didn't feel joyful. And there was a lot of stuff going on, some of it of my own making, some of it not. And I would have to command my soul, that's my, my mind, my will, and my emotions to rejoice. And I would speak, you would think I was a crazy person. Seriously, if you stopped by for tea or something, you would think I was a crazy person. Because I would be in the backyard commanding myself to rejoice. You will rejoice. You will rejoice in the God of your salvation. You will be thankful for today. You will. And I was commanding myself, telling myself, what the Bible told me to. And slowly, as I command myself, I take 
captive those thoughts and I start speaking rejoice in the Lord always and there were little songs you can sing I mean you name it I was doing it but joy you can feel joy start to well up the situation hadn't changed outwardly but my soul had been changed my emotions had changed they started to line up with the command rejoice in the Lord always again I'm gonna say it rejoice God's not gonna come down and tinker with my mind and I'll suddenly start rejoicing that is a decision that I make that bears the fruit of God's Spirit in my life to rejoice don't care what I'm walking through. I don't care what that mountain is. I love what Jimmy said, but sometimes we have to walk around the mountain. Sometimes the mountain is leveled. But no matter what, we are commanded, rejoice in the Lord. That is his will for us, to have the fruit of joy. And how we get the fruit of joy is to tell ourselves, you will rejoice. You will rejoice in the God of your salvation. It is enough what God has done for you. God will provide for you. He will make a way where there is no way. You will rejoice. Your feelings will line up with what the word declares is truth. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, we're going to, I'm going to give you six. This is going to go very quickly. I'm going to give you six things that increase our joy. Because we all have a deposit of joy if the Holy Spirit lives in us. He comes, that's resonant with him. But I want more joy. I want overflowing joy. I, and I don't think it's such a crazy thing to ask that I can walk through life with this deep core of it's not happiness, I, it's, it's a different word, it's a different emotion. It feels like happiness, but it's deep. Uh, there's a, there's a, 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 a story, a, a true accounting in the scripture of Paul and his traveling companion Silas. You remember the account in Acts, I think it was chapter 16. They were told, stop preaching the gospel, and of course they're like, we got to obey God and, and not you, so we're going to keep. Well, they beat them within an inch of their life, put chains around them, and threw them in prison. The Bible accounts that around midnight, there was a jailer that did not go home because if those prisoners escaped, it was his head. So he stayed at the jail because it was, it was literally his life and that was what he was going to do. So the jailer was outside the cell and around midnight, he hears, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, I'm not going to say, I haven't. between crying and not singing in a while, it's awful. But, but he heard it, rejoice in the Lord they were singing. Do you think they felt like seeing their bodies bleeding? Busted up? Bloody? That wasn't a happy feeling. But the joy, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It didn't matter the circumstance. Didn't matter if they were in jail. Didn't matter if they were surrounded with, with leg irons and, and arm irons. Didn't matter if they were bloody. I got the joy. And it's deep because I am at peace with God. I know what he's called me to do. I know who he said I am. I know where I'm going. So let me, let me get back on track. There's six things that what I want you to do if you are in our church community, our church family, I want you to pick two of these. Now, you could do all six if you're like an, an overachiever. Where's Miss June? Miss June will pick all six, okay? But at least pick two and be accountable to somebody. If you've got a sister, a friend, a husband, a wife, 
a small group leader, somebody in your cell group, just say, these are the two I've picked. Because otherwise, it's like two days will go by, and it's like, eh, forget that. And all through the month of December, the two that you pick, I want you to be diligent to practice. And I challenge you to see if joy doesn't grow in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. Joy. Okay, so the first one is to increase your joy. This is a no-brainer. Spend time with God. The author of joy, the creator of joy, the essence. Jeremiah, I could have chosen a, a ton of verses, but I love this verse. Your words were found, and he goes, this is the prophet, you know, they're always doing really weird things back in the day, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So he says, your words were found, and I ate them. And I think one prophet literally did eat the scroll. But here we're talking about, for us today, it's saying we get into the word of God, and we meditate. It can be one verse. You don't have to be a scholar. Take a verse and meditate on it. And pray because it says your words and I ate them as I meditated as I let those words change me as I let those words conform my mind to who Jesus said I am it says your words became to me a joy and a delight because I'm called by your name God is that the one you need to pick do you need to spend time with the source of joy and learn the promises that will build joy in your life. Two, to increase your joy, have a thankful spirit. Am I the only one that does not enjoy being around people that are complainers and gripers? I mean, I really, it's, it's, it's like, I got to get away. I can stand it for a little while, but I got to get away. I, I am allergic to an ungrateful attitude, an ungrateful spirit. I seriously cannot stand it. Have a thankful spirit. It will increase your joy. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. So as you're saying, rejoice in the Lord. Lord, thank you for my home. Thank you for my health. Thank you that I'm in my 20s. Thank you that I'm in my 60s. Thank you, God, for my children. Thank you for my mother. Thank you for my father. Thank you for this country. Thank you for our president. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for myself. Thank you for my husband. God daily loads us with benefits. Have a thankful heart. Your joy will increase. To increase your joy, practice being, now none of this stuff is rocket science. You could have come up with this list yourself, but you didn't, so I'm going to remind you of it. <laughs> practice being content. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for my husband who seems a little critical of me today, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for my car that really needs a good wash. Thank you for my Thank you, God. Thank you. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. Don't compare yourself, your situation, your home, your car, your job, your income, your health level, your whatever with someone else. Be thankful. A, a pastor asked this little five-year-old girl, honey, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And she said, well, no. But then it's not my birthday. And that's the truth. That's the truth. It's not our birthday, unless you happen to be born on 
the December 25th. I always thought those people kind of got cheated a little bit, but that's just because I don't know. But she says, it's not my birthday. It's not about me. It's not. Okay, let's keep going. Practice being content. To increase your joy, learn. Some of us need to learn the truth, and some of us need to love the truth that we know to be so. Embrace it. Make it part of our life. Because of your faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Guess what? If you are a believer, every one of us that call on the name of Jesus have undeserved privilege. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. We didn't earn it. We can't even keep it. It's all him. It's all about Jesus. And that's why when he was born, heaven erupted because now... I can find favor with God, undeserved favor. I don't have to clean up my act first. It's undeserved. It's God's favor that he planned before the world foundations were laid. Now we stand, we confidently, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I can't, you know, I can't even go there. To sh I can't even picture what God's glory is and then to say, I'm going to share in it. That's undeserved. Okay, finish here. To increase your joy, be generous. It's hard. It's easy for some people to be generous. Some people have what they call a generous nature. Some people have the gift of giving. My sister has the gift of giving. And it's easy to be generous. But even those of us that are not naturally generous, to practice generosity, to give something to someone who cannot give you something back in return, produces joy. It produces joy to give to someone who cannot give back to you. Some of you need to pick this one as one of your two. To be generous with your time. To be generous with your energy. To be generous with your knowledge. To, to, to bring someone along beside you. To be generous. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's the truth that we need to, to, to learn and then love. All right. Um, let's go ahead and stand up. This is the last one. To increase your joy, remember, you will dwell with God throughout eternity. I was thinking, um, I guess I better read that verse because I love it. Psalm 16. You make known to me. The path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Do we even have a, 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 a taste of what fullness of joy is? I mean, we're happy. We're lucky. I mean, we, we are contented. We just get a little nibble of happiness every now and again. But fullness, and it takes us back to number one, which we need to spend time with the author of joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand. Our pleasures evermore. I was thinking about the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled, which speak of the Lord's return. And as Christians, we believe that, that the Lord is going to return for his children, for us, his sons and his daughters. And I was just for a second, I was trying to think, what will the sky look like when he returns? I know it will be powerful, unlike when he came in Bethlehem. 
because he was a defenseless baby, dependent on his mom and his dad, his stepdad. But when he comes again, those prophecies have yet to be fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled. What will the sky look like? The Bible gives us inklings of it. We know it will be powerful. We know it will involve majesty. Unlike we've seen with anything on earth, it will involve angels upon angels upon angels. And he's coming back for you. And he's coming back for me. But let's read this together as our um, ending here. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice.